This is Taylor Talk, the number one Taylor Swift podcast brought to you by taylortalk.org. What up, what up, Taylor Nation, and welcome to episode 180 of Taylor Talk, the Taylor Swift podcast. My name is Adam. I'm Diane. And I'm Steve. And you guys survived. You did it. Yay! Two weeks and we're back. Just you made like, it through two just weeks, like normal. Three weeks without Steve. Oh, yeah. I, I, but he, it was almost a month here since we've last actually recorded together. Yeah, uh, and I'm always that. disappointed because every time that I'm not here, you have great, you know, guests on to record. I mean, I, I like to talk to Augustine, and you know, we had Kate Hipster T Swift the other time that I wasn't here. It's, uh, it's that not was fair. months ago. That was a long time ago. I but know. yeah, you're right. When uh, Steve's gone, that's when we bring in the good people. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the discussions just are good because Steve's no, not. No, <laughs> that's not true. They're just big shoes to fill. That's all. That's why you need to get awesome people. No, oh, right, go. right, right. That, that, must, that must be it. That must be it. Well, we're glad to have you back, Steve. So thank you. I'm glad. Moving to be on with the episode today. Uh, as you guys know, earlier this week, Taylor delivered some news that literally shattered the earth and broke hearts of Swifties everywhere in the world when she revealed that her mother was recently diagnosed with cancer. She didn't specify what kind or anything like that, but the purpose behind it was that Taylor wanted to make the world aware because she and her brother encouraged their mom to go get checked. And we don't know any details, but the, you know, the types of cancer that are treatable, the sooner they're found, the easier they are to treat. So she wanted to make sure that everybody out there, all of her fans, you know, were encouraged to talk to their parents and family and make sure everybody stays healthy and you go get checked regularly and things like that. And, you know, everybody has the best thoughts in mind for Mama Swift. She's an amazing person. And, you know, Scott Borchetta, the CEO of her label, even tweeted, cancer may be the ugliest word. It may have met its match taking on Taylor and Andrea. Power or prayer power, positive energy, love and strength. So they are definitely fight fighting it out. And Mama Swift is a very, very tough person. She's a. you know, if you if you guys don't mind, I'm going to share a story, a Mama Swift story that I have shared on the show before, but it's been a really, really long time and we've got a lot of new listeners, but it really speaks to her character. And that was an experience I had at the ACMs, I want to say 2012-ish? So Academy of Country Music Awards. I was a seat filler at the event, and for those who don't know what it is, a seat filler, you get free admission to the show. But you have a job, more or less. You have to, when the when the celebrities or the executives from the labels, whoever is down on the floor there, when they have to go to the bathroom, go get a snack, whatever the case may be, you go and sit in their seat. So that way, if the camera pans over the audience, the audience looks like it's full. There's not holes in the audience. It looks good. And so I was sitting next to some guy. I don't know who he was, but he was in a really bad mood. I assume that whatever artist he represents had lost an award that night and he was just grumpy grump now one of the rules of being a seat filler is you are not allowed to talk to the people you're sitting around because they've had problems in the past with you know celebrities being asked for autographs and getting really annoyed by seat fillers so you can't do that that's a no-no however 
Andrea Swift, who was across the aisle, was trying to get this guy's attention. And he was not noticing. So I, I broke a rule. I was very naughty. I, I just sort of said, uh, excuse me, sir. And I was trying to let him know that Andrea was trying to get his attention. And this guy totally snapped on me. And you're not allowed to talk to me. Andrea pops up and she's like, no, not him, me. I'm the one trying to talk to you right now. And so she totally had my back, didn't even know who I was, didn't know that I was a big fan of Taylor, didn't know anything about this podcast. She's just that type of person. She's like the big mama bear defender of the world. And so like like Scott Borchetta said, cancer may have met its match taking on Taylor and Andrea. They're going to fight it out. And I definitely hope she gets through it. I, I think she will. Absolutely. I don't, I don't think we have a doubt. I mean... I feel like she's going to see the best people and and she will receive the best help. So, I mean, it it is very, very sad and very scary, but I think she'll be fine. Exactly. Now, just uh, I guess the message of it all is keep Andrea, Taylor and their family in your thoughts and, and send positive vibes their way because they do have a fight against them and they're going to fight it and and. That's what they're going to do. Now, I know there are, throughout the community, a lot of different efforts going on to raise money for cancer research, things of that sort. Um, You know, if you're interested in any of those, definitely research them. Check those out. From our end, what we'd like to encourage is the same thing Taylor is, and that is educate yourself. You know, make yourself aware of how you can maximize the potential of preventing cancer how you can notice symptoms and get yourself checked if you can because statistically from the american cancer society in 2015 they predict that 1.66 million people in the united states will be diagnosed with cancer this year 1.6 million will be diagnosed and about 600,000 will lose their battle to cancer that's in the u.s alone globally i don't know what the number is Um, Now, I don't claim to be an expert, so I'm not going to give any sort of worldly advice, but American Cancer Society, in a nutshell, basically says eat healthy, exercise regularly, and for goodness sakes, stop smoking if you're a smoker. That one got proved a long time ago. Please just don't start. Just don't even start smoking. Um, In the show notes for this episode, taylortalk.org slash episode 180, we're going to link to all those resources because, like I said, none of us are experts on the topic, so we're going to link you to the place where you can make sure to educate yourself, take care of yourself, take care of your families. And that's sort of the uh, public service announcement for the episode. Yeah. Uh, Best of luck to Andrea Taylor and the Swift family in their fight. I I like even in the time of this that, you know, Taylor is still thinking about us. You know, it's not even, you know, pray for Andrea or anything like that. It's everybody has busy lives. You know, have your parents go and get checked to make sure that they're good and healthy or at least have an early fight on cancer, which is really an important thing. So it's, it's crazy, crazy to think that, you know, they still are putting the fans first there and, you know, making sure that we need to do the right thing. Now, before we jump into the main episode here, guys, just a quick announcement. You guys voted your hearts out 
for us as the best entertainment podcast at the 10th Annual Podcast Awards. We will be getting the results at the Podcast Awards on Tuesday, April 14th. There will be a live stream on podcastone.com starting at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. So that's 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Obviously, I don't know what the conversions are for everywhere in the world. But again, that is Tuesday, April 14th at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time on podcastone.com. That's one spelled out O-N-E, not the number one. So podcastone.com is where that live stream will be. Hope you guys get a chance to tune in. Uh, keeping our fingers crossed, you know, we have no idea what the results are until they announce whoever won the category. So Diane and I will both be in attendance. There's going to be a whole red carpet and things, so you can keep an eye out for us. It'll, it should be in good fun. Are you so, going to wear your Sunday best there be all dressed up? I have, no idea. I have no idea what I'm going to wear. I don't know. Maybe I should do the whole, like, Taylor Talk t-shirt with a blazer over it type thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> should I do that? <laughs> like Miami Vice style. I don't even know what the dress code is. Uh, it's supposed to be nice. I, I would dress up if I was you guys. I mean, wear you know. I need clothes. Wear wear, <laughs> wear a fancy, fancy tie. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see, Steve. Just tune in and watch for us, and then you'll see what we'll wear. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So some more uh, upbeat Taylor news also happened this week. The two fi- 2015 Billboard Award nominations have been announced. And Taylor led the pack with 14 nominations. In 13. Um, and she, well, yeah, she got in the, 13, 13 categories. categories yeah, because so Taylor got categories. so many. She got so many nominations that she's even nominated against herself for the top streaming video song. Top streaming song for video for both Blank Space and for Shake It Off. So what she a, is up against herself. Wonder if there will be a tie for that one. That would be great. <laughs> tie between taylor swift and taylor swift taylor so come get your award that's yeah. weird because she could win the award and still technically lose it as well um yeah <laughs> yeah she could she would what be the winner and the loser all in one in. so the 2015 billboard music awards are going to be broadcast live from the mgm grant right here in fabulous las vegas on abc on may 17th at 8 p.m eastern 7 p.m central which is 5 p.m. Pacific. No, yes. because they'll probably tape delay it because they hate us on the West Coast oh. and they always make us wait until the show's <laughs> over before we can actually watch the show. Well, it will happen at 5 p.m. Pacific, but you won't be able to watch it until 8 p.m. in the Pacific time zone. And ah! Unless you watch all the, the tweets and all of social media, which ruins it for you if you want to actually watch the show. There's which, so many spoilers. Yeah, that ends up happening. I hate living on the West Coast for... The purpose of award shows. shows is terrible. However, <laughs> living in Vegas specifically, though, we do get into the award shows quite often. So that's kind of cool. If. If we do. Yeah, if. you guys need to work on that. See if you can get yourself into the billboards. Um, we've made it in. We've managed to get in the last two years. So we'll try again. Okay. I'll, I'll cross my fingers for you guys. Thanks, <laughs> buddy. Appreciate it. Um, also in the news, the three current singles off of 1989 have passed a combined 9.5 million Copies sold. Shake It Off leading those singles with 4.307 million. Blank Space with 3.853 million. And Style with 1.366 million. So all three singles thus far off of 1989 are all platinum. That's insane. Like, uh, I just have no concept for how much that is. (laughs) (laughs) 9.5 million. Oh my gosh. Not, Not to mention, I'm sure we're due for another, what? Two to four singles, something like that, probably off this album. Yeah, there's some there's some 
talk going around that Bad Blood might be the next one. I don't okay. know how valid that claim is. I don't know where the source or what source it originated with, but that's kind of the talk of the community right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I we'll have to wait and see. I know we typically avoid reporting on rumors because they have not been verified yet, but we'll see. Sometimes they're not true. Sometimes they're not true. That's why I'm trying to make it very clear that I'm not sure what the source is, but that is the talk. That makes sense? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Alrighty, so that's more or less it for the news. Now, today for the bulk of the episode, we thought we would do a special tribute to the awesome, awesome lady herself, Mama Swift, Andrea Swift, by doing an analysis of The Best Day, a song that Taylor wrote for her mom. So it's it's a bit of a flashback here because it is off the Fearless album. So we're going way, way, way back in time. But that's okay because we did Long Live on the last episode, and that was a flashback too. Yeah, we have a and, little theme going on, don't we? <laughs> yeah, got a little blast from the past theme going on. So the best day, I mean, it's a song that Taylor wrote for her mom. It reminisces on her childhood. It mentions her dad, her brother. Phenomenal song, by the way. Absolutely phenomenal song. And mm-hmm. it's definitely another one of those goodies when people are like, Taylor only dates guys then breaks up with them and writes songs about them. Because <laughs> like this has nothing to do with that. <laughs> so what do you guys what do you guys think about it? What are first impressions? Of, well, I guess first impressions several years later of the song. I mean, I loved it. I think it's one of those songs that could make you cry. You know, the first time you hear it just because how sweet it is. I See? really like it. I, I think what's great about it, and one of the things that Taylor mentioned um, before she was performing this song um, out in L.A. a couple of years ago, is she said it's better to write a song um, for someone or to someone than about someone. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is so great about this song, is this is just a, a showcase to her mother, and I think part of the great part of it, and I'm sure you want to get into that next there, is kind of how she went about recording this song. I think that was kind of one of the neat aspects of it. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. She actually wrote it secretly. Her mom didn't know this was in production at all. She wrote it, I believe, while she was traveling. She was touring, um, which I assume this was during her opening days because if it went on Fearless album, it hadn't been the Fearless tour yet that she was traveling yeah, for. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, she wrote it while she was traveling and then secretly recorded it and ended up giving it to her mom as a Christmas gift. So sweet. Yeah, she put it on a DVD and, you know, started playing it. And she what she did is she ended up syncing up all sorts of home movie clips that she had growing up. And at first it was funny because her mother didn't even recognize it was her singing the song. And then all of a sudden when she did recognize it was Taylor that was singing the song. You know, she, she started, started bawling. Aww. Yeah, she started bawling her eyes out because, you know... We know that the Swift family is very involved in all of Taylor's life. You know, there's many times that you go to the shows and you see Mama Swift and Papa Swift and, you know, Austin is a lot of the shows. So this has always been a very family oriented process of Taylor being on tour. And for her to actually be able to secretly write and record a song with the band and put it on this album without her mom even knowing about it, you know, just probably just blew her away. So that's it's real special. Yeah, it it is. And it's really cool because here's the thing is, I think of all the people, you know, people love to tell the story of Taylor getting discovered by Scott Borchetta in the Bluebird Cafe, um, signs her to Big Machine Records, et cetera, et cetera, the whole story. And 
I seriously am of the belief that there has not been a single person that has played a more important role on the development of Taylor and her career than her mother. Oh, not at all. No, it's all her mom. And granted, Scott Borchetta was a very important component of her career, but I would say her mom really takes the cake on it, and for Taylor to write a tribute song to her is very, very special. And, I mean, like you pointed out, Steve, they're very family-oriented in the Swift family. But, you know, it's like... um, Scott, her dad, and Austin, her brother, they get honorable mentions in this song. They don't have their own song. (laughs) They get their own line. (laughs) So, yeah, they get a line in the Andrea song. Right. Um, And plus from these clips, plus from these clips that are shown in the the music video, I mean, you can see Taylor growing up and you see her performing with the guitar and everything like that. And this is all kind of pre-Scott Borchetta time. So... Mm You know, her mom has influenced her from the very beginning to to follow her dreams, to be creative. I mean, there's a lot with, you know, painting and, you know, just being a, a princess and just everything like that. that her oh, mom you're talking helped. in her very early years, like when she's a little, little no, kid. No, in the, um, in the um, video that she made for her mom. Right, the, but the right. clips of when oh, she's yeah. a little kid. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Just make it clear. And, Steve, I don't know if you noticed, because I sure didn't, but uh, Diane pointed it out to me. Oh, so that there is um, a part in that music video where, what, what was Andrew? Andrew was saying something. It's the very first part, and she's like, you look very pretty today, oh. Miss Taylor. And then she's like, thank you. And she's like, you're welcome. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Two it's the same as grown-up Taylor. She has always said that. Thank you for saying that. And I right. wonder who very... she got that from. Someone must say that in her family. <laughs> Just very polite, and you know, and that's that's how Taylor has always been in life, and you can see that influence early on, and you know, even today. So that's that is great. Yeah, no, you definitely can. It's just something I thought was funny when so Diane cute. pointed out somebody influenced her to say that, and it, she, it, she still says it <laughs> to this day. Thank you for saying that. Right. Uh, so let's jump into the song itself. Looking at the first verse. Um, you know, she talks, I'm five years old, it's getting cold. She describes being at the pumpkin patch and tractor rides and things like that. And, you know, I want to take a different perspective on this song than we normally do with some of the newer songs. Because the newer songs off 1989, when we're doing our analyses, certain lyrics are so deep that we can have discussions on a single line. Mm-hmm. Where this, it's like, you know, I run and run past the pumpkin patch. Pretty straightforward. We know exactly what she's doing. But what I think is a true testament to Taylor's writing ability, even as a teenager when she created this song, is the ability to write, to capture, I'm trying to think of how to word this, capture the emotion, capture the essence of what's going on there. So she writes it from a very young perspective because at this point in the song, which the song is chronological, it shows her growing up a little Mm -hmm. bit. She writes it from a little kid perspective. Mm-hmm. And and I think part of that is, um, and this is unfortunately is not being much of a songwriter, understanding a lot of musical composition. But one of the things that's noted is on the Fearless album, this is the only song that's written in simple verse form. I did read that. Not so so sure it's definitely written a certain way to be more basic or as you said adam there to kind of give that more little kid perspective Mm -hmm. than some very complicated and convoluted you know versing 
and the song with certain choruses and all sorts of other stuff that may make it sound too adult. Right. Well, certain, I mean, it's, it's, it speaks to her writing ability because I, I'm, I'm going to get people being like, oh, not again right now. But if you look at the Harry Potter novels, Ugh, again, <laughs> see, going from one to seven, the writing and the style becomes more mature as the characters age through, you know, age 12 through 17 mm. or 11 through 17. Sorry. Um, and likewise, I think Taylor does that in this. And so it speaks to a totally different aspect of her writing where she can capture the essence of a little kid and what you're supposed to be feeling through these lines rather than making them very complicated lyrics and then you watch it grow. So it is Taylor being just as talented a writer as she ever has been despite simple lyrics, but it's being a good writer in a different way now. Right, doing it on purpose that way. That's what I think is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I thought that was really cool um, that she managed to do that with the first verse there. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have any specific lyrics you would like to pull out of that and look at. Opening that up to you guys, because I kind of pointed out what I wanted to. Mm-hmm. I, I think the one that I thought was interesting is, you know, there, there's always a lot of color involved with everything that Taylor says and does in lyrics. And I think the sky is gold is kind of an interesting one to me. You know, it's it's not saying the sky is blue, so I'm assuming if the sky is gold, it's kind of, you know, you kind of get that essence of a, a fall day, the sun mm-hmm. setting, something like that. So you can yeah. still kind of get something out of that that, you know, it, it the sky doesn't always have to be blue in a song. No, I, I see what you're saying with that, and that is really interesting because the the verse does paint a picture in your head it puts you in the pumpkin patch with her and her mom right it's very very clear without using that many words and i think that's just amazing right and now it sort of uh towards the end of that verse goes with the i hug your legs and fall asleep on the way home and i think it's really crucial to point that out because that is where she's talking about her relationship with her mom she moved past describing the pumpkin patch into the specifics of the relationship with her mom. So, mm-hmm. And shows a- that she's very comfortable with her mom because, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the things. People don't fall asleep hanging on someone's leg unless you're comfortable with that situation. And, yeah. you know, that's that's where she feels comfort is, you know, right hugging onto her mom. So, You know what else it does? And I don't know if it's too early to bring this up because there's other points in the song that do it also. But the nostalgic feeling. Okay. You know, she was writing it for her mom and it was it was reminiscing on past positive experiences that they had together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it definitely elicits that nostalgic feeling. It brings that out of whoever's listening. And that, again, testament to Taylor's writing. She makes everything relatable because she is detailed enough where it is an experience with her and her mom. Mm-hmm. But she's also vague enough that we can all relate it to an experience in our childhood. Right, right. So that's interesting, I thought. Um, and good to point that part out. Now, that it moves on and says, I don't know why all the trees change in the fall. I know you're not scared of anything at all. Don't know if Snow White's house is near or far away, but I know I had the best day with you today. Very sweet. So mm. sweet. Very nice. Now, I love the line in there. 
I know you're not scared of anything at all, again, appeals to those nostalgic heartstrings. Because do you guys remember when you were little kids and your parents could fix any problem that ever – the end of the world. They could they could solve the end of the world. They could prevent the end of the world for you. Do you guys right. remember that feeling? Well, and I, and I think that's what kind of um, – when people grow into teenagers, I think that's the first time where they really find out that their parents – don't know all the answers that they're not invincible or anything like that. And a younger age is just, that's just such a great time where you know that you can trust that person and that everything that you need in your life, they can handle for you, which I think is very important. They're the biggest and strongest person in the world. Right. And the line before that's kind of an interesting one with, uh, I don't know why all the trees change in the fall. You know, it's just kind of a, I don't understand all this stuff, but, you know, you do. You, you're you so much smarter and, you know, you're not scared of anything. You're just perfect, you know. Yeah. That's interesting that you interpreted that line like that, Steve, because I've always – I have long tried to figure out that line because, of course, it changes later. Now I know why all the trees change in the fall, and we'll get to that when we get to that. Mm-hmm. But that's been one of the most – interesting lines one of the hardest for me personally to figure out and i like your explanation of that i think he's right (laughs) i I think he is too he's she's saying that i don't know but you do yeah Mm -hmm. um and speaking again to the point where you know it, it her lyrics are quite often universally applicable I know you're not scared of anything at all. Uh, That's probably a quote people are going around on social media right now because of Andrea's current situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, again, going back to even Scott Borchetta's quote about cancer met its match with Taylor and Andrea. It's, you know, Andrea has always had that personality, according to this song. So I think that's very cool. Also, It's, it's just a great line and. You know, the reference to Snow White, again, back to childhood, sort of writing for the age and perspective of the character in the song rather than her current age and perspective at that point. Mm-hmm. Like and Snow White's course, house doesn't exist. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah what? but at the time she was like, oh, she could be next door. She could be in the next city. Who knows? But right. she's real. <laughs> Steve, really sweet. you ruined my hopes and dreams. Sorry. I wanted to go visit Snow White. <laughs> don't eat the apples Adam. <laughs> i'll try not to and then of course taylor had the best day with her today now it ages into the next verse now she's 13 instead of five dealing with a totally different set of problems and again the song ages with the character so she's talking about how her friends are mean she comes home crying and you know mom took her on a drive and they went window shopping until taylor's forgotten all about it so it's like different solution now she's figured out that all of a sudden steve what you were saying when you get into your teenage years changes a little bit your perspective mom Mm -hmm. and dad can't solve all the problems of the world now but they can still make you feel better yeah and that seems to be what her mom did there you know what i'm saying oh yeah So she was dealing with friends and stuff, and it's basically mom's like, well, you know, I can't really stop other people from being mean to you, but I can have a special moment with you and we can go window shopping and forget all about them. I think kind of what she did there, which I think is amazing, is she just 
reminded Taylor that as her mom, she's still her she she's still her friend too, you know, and and she still has someone that she can um, you know, that who will be um there for her. So, you know, I just thought that was really sweet. And I and I think another part of that could be where by going window shopping and kind of getting her mind off of that, it's it's one of those things that okay, I, I understand these kids are mean, and in your life right now, this probably is the most important thing that these kids, you know, don't like you or mm-hmm. something like that. But these, in the big scheme of things, over the years, you're going to find out it's not important. So you know, by going window shopping, all of a sudden, all those things that seem like it was, oh my gosh, this is the only thing that's important here. These kids don't like me; they hate me, or whatever all of a sudden start to fade away and it's not as important as you may think it is. Well, Steve, also look at the transition too. It goes from I come home crying to a few, I can't speak, a few lines later saying, I know I'm laughing on the car ride home with you. So she's gone from coming home crying to going home after spending time with mom laughing. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, mom's superpower has evolved. Mom is still superhero. Mom is still superwoman in her mind, but her superpower has changed. It's not that she can stop any bad thing in the world from ever happening, but she knows she how to can, fix it. Yes, she still knows how to fix it within your smaller circle of life, within your family bond. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's just an evolution of the relationship. Anything else from that verse you guys like? Any of the specific lines? I think we're good. I think we talked about it. I'll, I'll take that as a no. The little pause and awkward silence. And... Uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot of good lines in that. I'm just trying to think if there's any one that really sticks out to me. You well, know, again, I... it is it is pretty literal in what they're doing. It describes exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, there is nothing to interpret lyrically, but it's the feeling of the entire verse. Mm-hmm. I, I think the one other one that's kind of important in that verse is um, near the end there. Don't know how long it's going to take to feel OK. So, I mean, you can see that throughout this song that Taylor has a lot of questions or things she's just trying to wrap her head around that she just can't completely do it. And, you know, and this is another one where, you know, I, I don't know what it's going to take for me to feel OK but I know I had the best day with you today. So, you know, she's not completely over it, but she knows that being around her mom and her mom is there to support her, that she's going to be okay. And I think that's the important part because this verse started off where, you know, oh my gosh, nothing's okay. You know, the kids don't like me and all that stuff to the end where it's like, hey, I know it's it's not perfect, but you have really helped me grasp what's going on and you know things may be okay in the end yeah and i think this is also steve something that just occurred to me as i was kind of skipping ahead in lyrics looking ahead is this is the beginning of taylor's evolution and growth and one of the things she's saying is not just mom you're awesome for doing this and for doing that but specifically it's mom you're awesome because you helped me grow into an Mm. amazing person and this is really the beginning of that it's like you know, the first verse we were talking about is all smiles and sunshine type deal or right. sunset specifically, if you want to be mm-hmm. literal. <laughs> the feeling is smiles and sunshine. Then this is all of a sudden, wow, I have experienced my first pain and you fix it. And then, you know, it, it continues 
to go on about her growth and development as a person into the amazing human being we all know today. Mm-hmm. Did, did, was that? No, yeah. I, I was rambling totally for a little bit. Okay, so then moving on, we finally got our cameo appearance by Papa Swift. All right. (laughs) This is the equivalent of him photobombing. This this is song bombing, I don't know. Do we want to call it that? Song bombing. I mean, she put him there, so it's not like he jumped in himself. Yeah, but he only gets like a little piece here. So it's all of a sudden it's like. It's three lines. It's um, Austin that gets, you know, she doesn't get that many words. (laughs) but, But I think of this as taylor and her mom and then all of a sudden here comes scott mr swift (laughs) well the thing that's um interesting is let's pretend we don't know that this song is um about her mom she never says it until like the bridge at the end you know she never really says anything that this has to be her mom it could be her dad it could be her grandma like she just says you you never know who you is Hmm. You, know you do mean? if you read the secret message that says God bless Andrea Swift. Yeah, but who reads that <laughs> first before they listen to it? <laughs> I don't know. It was just kind of a joke. But I, something interesting with this verse that I want to point out, too, is we were talking earlier about, you know, how Andrea more or less is the most influential person in Taylor's life. And I think this is sort of a testament to that. It's Taylor saying that other people have been involved. It wasn't 100% Andrea, but it was mostly. And she is now explaining what she gets from other people that have influenced her life. And she says, I have an excellent father. His strength is making me stronger. So you've got two strong parent figures Mm -hmm. in the picture. And, you know, God smiles on my little brother inside and out. He's better than I am. I think she just wanted to acknowledge him in some way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe she really thinks that though maybe she really i guess in a sense looks up to her little brother in some ways but but i think sometimes yeah. you see that because you know in your own personal life you have flaws yeah and when you look at other people you know they have flaws too but you don't always see those on the surface as much mm-hmm. as you see your own flaws and i think that's what this is about yeah that's true mm-hmm. well it it could be about that Stephen. it's definitely also about the influence that other people had mm-hmm. um you know because she does talk about i grew up in a pretty house i had space to run and had the best days with you so you know she did have phenomenal experiences with both her brother and her dad growing up as well so so i guess pretty much that verse is just about how she had a really nice childhood mm-hmm. good for taylor well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think one of the things that ties in though with is about having space to run. Because you also remember in the very first group of verses there, it says, I run and run. So it, it kind of just, I think it says more of almost freedom to do whatever she wanted. Yeah, she had a place to explore. You know, she's allowed to explore. And, and, and I think a lot of growth can come from that where, you know, you're you're not being restricted to oh well you can't go here and you can't do this or anything like that that you know her parents were open to letting her see things be creative and that's what made her you know successful was the ability to have that freedom growing up to want to be hey i want to uh sing songs all right well go ahead you know i want to write music i want to you know make art pictures all that stuff her parents gave her that ability to do that and once 
you have it in your mind that you want to try to do something with that, you can be successful. You know, it's interesting you said that, Steve, because I actually read a really interesting book recently called Creating Innovators. Okay. And it's a, basically about how to create the people who grow on to do big things and things of that sort. And one of the biggest points that they make in this book, and mind you, this book is research-based, but I'm not going to get into all the background research, is that parents who encourage their kids to follow their dreams end up growing up to do very creative things and um, great things that influence a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think another part that's always important is you got to make sure that your kids are following their dreams and not your dreams. Yes. And you see a lot of parents you try to do that. Live through your kids. Right. Yeah. You know, especially sports and everything else like that. It's like, oh, well, I didn't make it in football and I want you to be a football star. And, you know, if they have the interest in that, that's great. But if they don't, kind of forcing people into things is not a good way to, Mm-mm. you know, raise a child. But, no. Yeah, not but encouraging the built-in creativity and desire to explore. So I think Taylor, at a very young age, like I said, the book I read is research-based. Taylor was a teenager when she wrote this. I highly doubt she ever read any sort of studies regarding that area. But she hit on it anyway and proved the point. Mm-hmm. Maybe her, Maybe her parents just knew that or something, you know? Or they Possibly. just got it naturally. I don't know. It Some could have come naturally. Got it naturally. So getting back to the song then, you know, she moves into, there's a video I found when I was three, you set up paint set in the kitchen and you're talking to me. It's the age of princesses and pirate ships and the seven dwarfs. Daddy smart and you're the prettiest lady in the whole wide world. No. Oh. <laughs> so it's going back to that little kid thing again in the fantasy and it's, you know, it's just, it's a very happy picture, which a lot of Taylor's songs, you know, the ones that are specifically about heartbreak are very, despite being good songs, they're very, I don't know, they portray loneliness, betrayal, hurt, pain, where this is a much happier tone. This is... This portrays love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but not romantic love, mm-hmm. family love. Mm-hmm. And that's a totally different message than a lot of her other songs and what makes it so unique. Now, yeah. what about these lyrics do you guys like? Is there something specific? Because I'm, I'm trying to pinpoint something, and I can't quite do it. Uh, what do you mean a couple, you're trying to pinpoint? There's a couple of good ones. I mean, number one is, you know, setting up the, the, the paint set in the kitchen. And, and we've seen some of the stuff that Taylor has done in, what, the past year or so, where she's been painting watercolors and that kind of stuff, which is almost kind of a throwback to this, where, you know, this is where her mom is just letting her be creative, letting her be Taylor. And I think that's very important. Throwback to 1992 or 1993, I guess. Whenever it was. But Steve, it's interesting that you hit on that point too, because a lot of people talk about now or are talking now about how Taylor has grown over the years and how she's changed, changed quote unquote. And, you know, Taylor went on record with her quote. I don't remember it word for word, but it was something to the effect of I'll always grow and change, but I'll always be the same. I'll also Mm -hmm. be the same. And this proves that. Right. You know, she still likes to paint. She she still likes to paint. She still kind (laughs) of lives in fairy tale. No, she doesn't. Not anymore. (laughs) Uh, it was a more fearless era, I think. I guess so. Um, You're being there, there's obviously another shout out in there okay. to Snow White here again. You can say it was. They were referencing yeah. the Seven Dwarfs, so right. 
So I guess yeah. if if we would say what is Taylor's favorite Disney movie, I'm probably gonna go with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs just to be on the safe side. I yeah, that's it seems pretty, like that's one of the things. At least at the time, right? Right. Yeah. Um, well, something that I really like about this verse is that she talks about this. Um, you know the, um, you know what um, y- y- you were just saying about the um, princesses and, and that sort of thing, and then she talks about her parents. So it's almost like she sees them on the same lines as those um, mythical type things. You know, it's like she just sees her parents as like big and um, wonderful and great, just like the way she views these stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because especially because this 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 verse is back to three years old. So I think that's a big part of that is, you know, oh, daddy, you're so smart and mommy, you're the prettiest person in the whole wide world you know that that goes back except right to Steve, that age. yes look how look how the context changed slightly like you could ask why does she go from five to 13 back to three but mm-hmm. she's not she's looking back at a video from when she was three she's so reminiscing this is another it. point in the mm-hmm. development and growth where she is all of a sudden looking back and it's a realization you know, I think what she's saying without actually ever saying it is when she's talking, it's the age of princesses and pirate ships. What she's kind of saying is that that stuff that I believed in, I'm finally realizing is no longer true. Does that make sense? Yeah. But then how does that tie into the... Yeah, how does it tie in with her parents? I mean, that, I part, is, it, that part I don't know because... I don't know if she's saying it. it's no longer true. It's just... This is the age when well she's when, saying like, it's, these were the things that I enjoyed a lot. It's it's not that it's saying that she outgrew the fantasy and now is starting said to that. she never said she outgrew she just said this is the age it's just statement. But that's why I'm interpreting it. I'm not saying she said it. That's why I said she said it without saying it. Mm-hmm. It's like alluding to the fact that like she's outgrown it because she's referring back to a different time period in her life was the age of princesses and pirate ships yeah but i don't think the the um emphasis is on the fact that she outgrew it i don't think that matters it's just this is the age when these are the things that i thought were you know real or whatever but why is she mentioning it then i think it's part of her development where she's starting to come to terms with the real because the scene as to what she liked when she was three years old Uh, See, I don't know, because it starts with happiness and sunshine. Then we went to 13, where she experienced her first pain, but mom and dad still fixed it. And now it's at a point where she has realized what the actual world is like. It does not say that literally by any means. I'm saying that's how I'm interpreting this right now. Well, I disagree with your interpretation. (laughs) Well, then, by all means, dispute it. I did. No, you're saying all it is is her. she's looking back. I mean, that's a literal interpretation. I realize she's looking at a video and looking back at when she was three years old. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean? What's its purpose? Why is she Why is she saying this? Why is she going back to a time when she was three when she already went through five and 13? I, just to show how she viewed her parents when she was three and how she's looking back at, I don't know. At, then why not start with the- three and keep it in chronological order? Well, I, I, this I, line is really powerful, and I, don't, I guess she still wanted to have that. I think there's moment. something else she's trying to say, and it's that she's at a different point in her life now. Mm-hmm. But she's, but she's still reflecting keeping it on a very positive vibe, right? By talking about how happy that time was. She's reflecting back on it positively, 
you know, remembering it well, that kind of stuff. Because she then goes into the next line, now I know why all the trees change in the fall. And I think this was this whole thing, those two verses end up working together to say, now I'm older and I have a more realistic outlook on the world and I know how things work. Now, it mm. doesn't mean saying, now I know why all the trees change in the fall, that she's saying, I know everything. I, I, but I don't know all the answers, but I do know some answers now. <laughs> yes, exactly. So that's what I think the purpose of that verse was, was to lead into that overall situation because now it's her grown up and reminiscing on the past. It's not her experiencing the past anymore. Mm -hmm. It's her taking a realistic, a shift to a realistic view of life and her relationship with her parents. And like, I'm not saying that that verse before was a lie. Daddy is still smart and mommy is still pretty. You know, that that's her opinion doesn't change, but it's still, but, but is that what she thinks different. at the age of three? Is that what we're assuming that means? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. At the age of three, she thought daddy's smart and mommy's the prettiest lady in the world. Mm -hmm. So it's just viewing it from different eyes, so mm -hmm. to speak. It's viewing it from the eyes of a more grown up. Um, I mean, when did when did Fearless come out? 2008. Mm -hmm. yeah. And she so wrote this she song wrote this in 2007. 2007, which mm -hmm. was her senior year in high school, roughly. No, junior. She was about 17 or 18, roughly, right? Yeah. If I'm doing the math correctly. Mm -hmm. Arithmetic. Yeah. She would have been she would have been 17 cuz her birthday's December. So um she would have been 17 when she wrote this. So it's she's at a point in her life when she wrote it um when she is an adult but not quite an adult. Mm -hmm. So so you're saying this sense? last verse is from the perspective of a 17-year-old now. A 17-year-old reminiscing on her childhood. Okay. Because, I mean, a lot of the other ones showed specific, oh, when I was three, when I was 13 and all that. So this one really doesn't say, but that's because it's considered present day. So it's not as necessary. Mm -hmm. Right. And in this last verse, you know, she does go on to say, we were talking about earlier about how this song isn't just to describe attributes of, of Andrea Swift. It is describing certain things about her and how they helped shape Taylor. And of course she throws in the line there and I love you for giving me your eyes. So she's talking about a physical characteristic and then staying back and watching me shine, which Steve, that's a big thing you were talking about earlier in the song mm -hmm. is it's a huge way that Taylor appreciates how her mom raised her and gave her the freedoms and liberties that she had and the ability to grow and develop in the way she did. Right. The the staying back, I think, is a big portion of that because, you know, you want to help lead your child, you know, in the direction that they want to. But you want to let them take the center stage of it and not, you know, kind of dig out their path or kind of build certain boundaries around it. You know, give them their freedom to express themselves and really learn and such. Exactly. Exactly. And I think the song as a whole is meant to be a giant thank you for that it starts with describing how she developed and how her mom supported it and then ends finally with a big thank you mom you know and this whole song essentially was a, a thank you to her mom in my opinion mm -hmm. you know because she does end there with saying i didn't know if you knew so i'm taking this chance to say that i had the best day with you today 
And so then everyone breaks sweet. down in tears right at that point. <laughs> <laughs> at least her mom does. Mm-hmm. And maybe any mom that has experienced the same type of feelings with their child. So, I mean, essentially what she's saying is that each day that she spends with her mom is the best day. Yes. Mm-hmm. And is thanking her mom for that. So it's it's a very special song, and it's got a very big meaning. And that's why I, I, I hope this was an interesting discussion for you guys and, and for everybody listening, because it's like I said at the very beginning of the discussion, it was going to be a very different type of analysis than what we normally do, where we're looking at lyrics and metaphors and use of word choice and things like that. And it's much more the use of... of um, description and emotion and feelings and things like that which taylor still of course does in all her work but Mm -hmm. it's more heavily used in this song where she's setting the tone and setting the mood does that make sense absolutely i don't know if i confused anyone this episode because i've been all over the place and rambling but i don't know i had a fun discussion with you guys i had the best day with you guys (laughs) today oh oh so, if you guys don't have anything else to say about it, I think it might be time to offer our 1 to 13 rankings. What do you say? Let's do hey, it. Hey, should we make this the best day? Yeah, Stop. let's do it. Stop rapping. I'm not rapping, I'm rhyming. There's Stop a difference. Stop rhyming. <laughs> I like to rhyme all the time. Ooh. I'm a poet and I don't even know it. Ooh. Did you get that out of a book? No, I kid said it when I was a kid. I heard that a lot as a kid. Anyway, so Steve, <laughs> if you had to rank this song in a scale of 1 to 13, where 1 is absolutely atrocious and 13 is off the charts phenomenal, where would you place it? I'm going to go 13 uh, it, because it was purposely designed and written for how it is in the, the simple verse form. You know, so... I don't want to say that this is maybe simpler lyrics and such, but that's her purpose of why she did it that way. And it comes across great. So it's a 13. Right. Diane. I would agree, Steve. I'm giving it a 13 out of 13 because I think the way she wrote it was very pure. Um, So I just, I just really like it. I'd give it a 13 for all the same reasons, guys, because it was written with purpose and it accomplished that purpose and then some because, you know, I'm sure the purpose, the initial purpose going into it was, you know, and again, this is my interpretation, but I'm pretty sure of it anyway, that she wrote it for her mom and yet it became something that was not only meaningful to her and her family, but also to everybody that listened in and can relate on some level. And it was you know, it it was, like Steve said, very purposeful, and it was just, it was an amazing song. It's a great song. It is. So, 13 out of 13. Off the charts, awesome. And Hope everybody thing. enjoyed the discussion of, what? Oh, oh, sorry, I just had one little other tidbit. Um, Steve's got more. But uh, wait, d- there's but wait. more. Yes, just, just one other item. I've seen on YouTube where people have actually taken this song and have related it to their own instances with their parents, which I thought like was like their kind own of, home movie, right? Mix and match, which was kind of cool. And and you know what? It's probably partially why Taylor even made this song, no, knowing how Taylor is. Where you know it's very relatable that you can almost imagine, even though this song is about Andrea and all the things that Taylor had in her own childhood, a lot of people can relate some items of how their own childhood may have been to some of the lyrics of this song and, you know, have some of their own lyrics to kind of have their own best day with, you know, other 
of their family member. So, right, it's very neat. Exactly, and that's a huge part of why the song is so amazing, in my opinion, is that it is as relatable as it can be for everybody, everyone that listens. So, good point, Steve. Good point. Um, now, can I? Can I? Sure. Yeah, I can close out that discussion now. Yep. Are you sure? There's nothing uh, else. Uh, I'm yeah, sure I could. Best. I'm sure I could come up with some other stuff, but I think we need to move yeah. on. All righty. Hope everybody enjoyed our discussion of the best day. Again, this one is dedicated. This discussion is dedicated to Andrea as much as the song is. Um, you know, and good luck with everything you're going through. We got many segments back in the the episode again. Submissions from you guys where you finish the line of Swifties Rule the World or you know your Swifty when. So, Steve, if you wouldn't mind sharing the first one with us. Okay, the first one comes from TinyLou underscore 13 on Twitter. If Swifties ruled the world, everyone else would escape to Mars because they'd be terrified of us. <laughs> it's yeah. true. It's true. Uh, we're one of the most terrifying bunches in the world, which is actually really funny because it made me actually think of the whole Diplo thing. You remember that uh, up and back thing? Um, Diplo actually went on the record recently saying that, um, that insulting Taylor was the worst decision he's ever made. It is. (laughs) It should always be that way. That you don't go after Taylor. He's scared. He's scared of the Swifties. Diplo. One of these days, right. I could see us having our own planet, Planet Swift. <laughs> All right, this next one comes from Tiffany via Facebook, and she says, "You know, you're Swifty when you first meet people or a new guy, and the first thing that pops into your head is, how do I explain my love for Taylor without sounding crazy?" Oh my gosh, that is so funny, because I think everyone can relate to that one. I had a situation recently. Um, you know, I. Like I've said in a past episode, I'm, I'm pursuing my master's currently, and I had to let one of my uh, professors know that I would not be in class Tuesday evening because of the podcast awards. And she's like, what's your podcast about? And I was like, it's about... I don't know why yeah, you didn't tell yeah. her. You should have told her. Because it's like it's like Tiffany said. Like, how do you explain that to a new person without sounding absolutely crazy? Mm-hmm. Just tell them it's a fan podcast and keep it vague. Don't, like, have your eyes grow, like, ten times larger when you talk about it. Then they ask more questions. Oh, a fan podcast. Then then they start. Oh, a fan of what? Yeah. Taylor Swift, you know. It leads leads to more questions. Or you'd be, like, ceiling fans. Oscillating fans. uh, (laughs) Steve, Steve, let me do do the next one. Uh, Malia emailed us and said, if Swifties ruled the world, each and every building in the world would be painted red. Hashtag throwback. Yay. There's not really an official color to 1989, is there? Unless you count that beige guess, and light blue. I guess type we'll see person. what the tour looks like. I have a feeling it's going to be lots of bright colors. Like well, neon. Yeah. I mean, 1989 wasn't even actually named after a color, so... You know, it is what it is. Okay, the next one comes from a Swifty name, Arian, from Taylor Connect. When you're home alone, the first thing you do is turn on Taylor, grab some candy, and dance while eating candy. Then you get sick from the candy, but keep singing anyway. Gross. Because you can't get <laughs> sick of Taylor. That's one thing. No matter how much you listen to her. Well, that's why they, they said uh, mm-hmm. you keep singing along. Yep. All right, this one comes from Tara McCarran. 
And uh, she says, you know you're a Swifty when for peer teaching at school you teach everyone how to be a Swifty for two whole classes. Ooh. Wow. I want to go to that school. How to be a Swifty. I don't think my mentor teacher would let me do that. <laughs> for my uh, student teaching, I just did a lesson uh, this past week on mean. A mm. full class period on mean. It yeah. was basically like one giant episode of Taylor Talk is what it was. <laughs> hmm. It was fun. That's cool. All right, last one. Sophie emailed us and said, "You know your friend is a Swifty when she says that when she has a baby, she wants to name it blank space so she can have a blank space baby." That's funny, but don't do that. <laughs> I've got a blank space baby, and I named it blank space. So thank you to everybody who sent those in. Keep them coming in for future episodes. You guys know how to reach out to us. All the contact methods are at taylortalk.org slash contact. There's a variety of ways you can send these in, depending on what you're comfortable with. So keep them coming, guys. Before we wrap up, Diane, can you please share with us what is coming up on Taylor's calendar so we can all be aware? Yes. So on April 19th, uh, that is the 50th annual ACM Awards, and they will take place in Dallas, Texas. They will be broadcast live on CBS. Taylor will be one of the recipients of the 50th Anniversary Milestone Award. So she's still getting an award from the country music people. Um, And then on April 25th, the radio are the radio... um, Radio Disney Music Awards. Taylor is nominated for Best Female Artist, Song of the Year for Shake It Off, Most Talked About Artist, and Best Song to Dance to for Shake It Off. Um, And then these will air on April 26th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Pacific Time, on Disney. On Disney. Awesome. Thank you very much for the calendar, Diane. And again, um, I know it's short notice because some of you listening, the podcast awards are probably over. But if you're listening on a release date, which is, hey, it's actually the 13th, April 13th. Um, the podcast awards are going to be on Tuesday, April 14th, 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. The live stream will be at podcast1.com. And then again, one last reminder, guys. If you visit taylortalk.org slash episode 180, That's the show notes for this episode. We're going to be linking to various resources you can use to educate yourself on cancer and cancer prevention and cancer treatments and recognizing symptoms and all kinds of information like that. Because remember, with everything the Swift family is going through right now, there is one thing that Taylor said she wants us all to do, and that is to make ourselves aware and educated so that way we can take care of ourselves and our family And we are not the experts here on Taylor Talk, but we're going to link you to the people who are. So that way you can educate yourself just like Taylor wants. So I really, truly encourage you to check that out and, you know, do your own research and make sure that you are keeping yourself and your family safe. All right. Sound good? Mm-hmm. All righty. Remember, guys, there are lots of ways you can contact us. Our Twitter and Facebook are both to the username TaylorTalk13. You can email us, podcast at TaylorTalk.org, or any of our individual emails, you know, Adam at TaylorTalk.org, Diane at TaylorTalk.org, Steve at TaylorTalk.org. And, of course, if you don't like Facebook, Twitter, or email, just visit TaylorTalk.org slash contact, and you'll find all the other ways you can reach us, including voicemail, text message, etc., etc., etc. So thank you guys for listening. This is 
episode 180 of Taylor Talk, the Taylor Swift podcast. Remember, guys, we're on a two-week schedule now, so episode 181 will be in two weeks. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. This has been Adam. Diane. And Steve. Saying have a great two weeks, guys. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya. This podcast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift.